I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Cultivating a Lifestyle of Generosity, Part 6, Mentoring Generosity to Others. The other day I was reading a Facebook post featuring some stunning sunset photography. The gentleman who posted it commented that he took them on his drive home. His daughter commented in the space below that he shouldn't be using his phone while driving. His reply, do as I say, not as I do. You've no doubt had this said to you, perhaps by a friend or even a parent, or maybe you have even said it to yourself or others. Sure, it might prompt a chuckle or two in the moment, but the truth is, Some of the best behavioral learning is derived from direct modeling. From infancy, babies copy the behavior they see around them. When you are young and are accumulating knowledge and experience, it's only natural that what is seen and practiced is going to be imitated. I remember on Sunday morning as our family was getting ready for church, my dad would prepare his offering first. Then he would take a starched handkerchief and stack some coins in the center. He would carefully tie a knot and hand the handkerchief back to me so I could bring it to Sunday school. It was a charming ritual surrounding my earliest memory of giving. In my own parenting, I tried to take it a step further. The Lord gave me an idea to suggest an enhancement to the offering program at my oldest son's school. A light bulb went off in my head one day when he asked me what Jesus did with his quarters. This loaves and fishes program originally launched to provide students with an opportunity to understand how their charitable giving contributions can make a difference locally and even globally. In its first year, students end up raising tens of thousands of dollars for victims of Hurricane Katrina. They went above and beyond by collecting change and held garage sales. They sold lemonade and did chores around the house. Their enthusiasm was contagious to their younger classmates as well, and the efforts brought joy to all those who participated in them. The program, which began 22 years ago, is still in place today. Sharing what you have is another way of demonstrating giving and mentoring others. If you grow vegetables or raise chickens, sharing the bounty with others illustrates how others in want can benefit from a surplus. My grandfather modeled this for me when he was alive. He arranged to tend a garden on a small area of land at the retirement home where he lived. There he grew a variety of vegetables. His crop always yielded more than he and my grandmother could use. So every Sunday, he would take a box of what was left over and put it on a table for others to take. In Hebrews thirteen sixteen, we read, Do not neglect to do good, and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And in 1 Timothy six eighteen, we are told to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. The Bible is also clear about what it means when we choose not to give. I love the message version of Isaiah 58.8 where we read that we are to be sharing our food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into our homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to our own families. This implication is that we need to attend to our own families as well as the needs of others, and we also need to not neglect either one. Of course, as I've been illustrating, Cultivating a generous spirit involves far more than just provisional or monetary giving. We need to model giving the gift of time for our children as well. 
I remember one Sunday after church, I was in a tizzy about trying to get home because I had so many things to do. My oldest overheard someone ask me for a ride home from church. Truthfully, as I prepared to rattle off all the reasons why we couldn't, my son looked at me and said, of course we would be happy to help. Sometimes the mentor learns a thing or two from the mentee. All these practices point to a general attitude and practice of putting others' needs ahead of our own and satisfying the commandment Jesus gave us to love one another, as Acts 4.32 outlines in this beautiful way. We read there, The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own, but they had everything in common. Indeed, when we remind ourselves that everything we have is a gift from God in the first place, it's much easier to hold on loosely to what is temporal and live for things that are eternal. Join me as we strive to foster an attitude of giving and sharing and give our selfish nature the boot. I'd like to read this excerpt now from my first book, The Side Door, and this entry is entitled, Love for Our Children. The first time I watched the remake of the 1994 film Little Women, I began sobbing uncontrollably within the first ten minutes. My husband and I had been trying to conceive a child for many years with no success. It didn't even occur to me that watching the movie would exacerbate my pangs for motherhood. The beautiful hot chocolate kind of moment in the film, with the girls in their frilly nightgowns piled into the bed with their mom, was enough to send me right over the edge and press the off button on the remote. A generation later, blessed with a family built through adoption, I realized that hot chocolate moments are the tip of the parenting iceberg. Motherhood is filled with trips to the emergency room, disciplinary struggles, heartbreaking disappointments, and moments of self-doubt so excruciating, I occasionally wonder whether or not I was meant to undertake the challenge experience at all. Fortunately, those low moments don't last long. Even though parenting a child with ADHD and another with severe autism hasn't been a walk in the park, I'm thankful to God for two blessings, those two sons that He gave me and the opportunity to love and care for them. Parental love is more primal in nature than other kinds of love. Most mothers I know would lay down their very lives for their children, and in fact, they do sacrifice themselves daily in a variety of ways for the best interests of their offspring. While some of that comes naturally, other forms of sacrifice are learned behaviors. I have been blessed in my life with some amazing godly mentors who came alongside in my parenting journey in prayer as well as in practical ways. They modeled firm yet gentle parenting. They provided tools, resources, and wisdom that still serves me today in my parenting, both under my roof and beyond, as I try to extend my influence to my older boys when time and opportunity permit. Part of remaining a good parent to adult children is providing a sounding board and a listening ear to their concerns with a reduced emphasis on solving or managing their daily affairs. I continue to be surprised at how, when my son seeks my input, I'm equally taken aback when I feel he needs my advice and doesn't seek it. It is in times like these that I remind myself of the love passages in 1 Corinthians 13. I tell myself that love for my sons is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
love never ends. I find these passages are helpful in different ways in parenting my oldest child, who is maturing, and my youngest, who in some ways will always be a child. When we look to the Bible for words about loving our children, the pearls of wisdom we find there will enrich our inheritance to them, as well as the inheritance that they'll pass on. And the keys to kingdom living are, Ideal parental love is best supported with godly wisdom. And the doorpost is, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4 When we love others and encourage and invest in them, we live out Proverbs eleven twenty five. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And the doorpost is, Love one another deeply from the heart. 1 Peter 1, 22. And the keys to kingdom living are, Keep your mind and heart God-focused as you cling to Him and give glory to God in your devotion and by example to others. And the doorpost is, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.